time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, so here we go. So, so this morning, again, we're calling the next three weeks of this series, just calling it pause. Everybody say pause one more time. And I'll tell you kind of why, what the, what, the, what the thought is behind that. But in going to Joshua chapter 4, which is where we're going to read, before we go there, I just want to summarize. There's a story. There's, a, there's an account that happens in the book of Joshua. Moses was the great prophet who, who delivered all of the Israelites from Egyptian captivity. Anybody have any idea how long the Israelites were under Egyptian captivity or rule? Just an approximate amount of years. Here we go. Four years um, times 100. 400. You got it. Come on. Look at you, a little Bible scholar. 400 years. 400 years they were in Egyptian captivity. And Moses gets them out through the word of the Lord, through God's strength and guidance. And then finally Moses dies, fast forwarding, and Joshua takes over. And God begins to use Joshua in such a great way. He was significantly younger than Moses. But the first thing that Joshua would have to do, they went out because there was a promised land, land by the name of Canaan, which God desired for all of the Israelites to live. But in order to get there, there were some tasks that they were going to have to overcome. And one of them is our account in, in Joshua chapter 3, where they literally crossed, they came up to a point where the Jordan River was. And the Jordan River was not some little trickling um, body of water. I mean, the Jordan River during the flood season, the Bible says that literally the banks would overflow. Okay? So the river is like overflowing. And then the current is so strong. It's almost like, like a stronger than like class five rapids kind of thing. I mean, literally, whenever people would go to bathe because they didn't have bathtubs, obviously... They would go to the Jordan River, and if they would go during this time of year, they would literally tie ropes to the guys, like as they're bathing, so the river would not sweep them away, like literally. So it was a dangerous kind of situation here. So as they're going, as, they're, uh, they, as they come up to the Jordan River, they realize that there's one thing that's stopping them from getting to the promised land, the Jordan River. Therefore, the Lord kind of speaks to them and tells them, gives them in some instructions on what he's going to do. Now, these are the people of Israel. They had known the power of God. They had known what God was capable of. They had heard stories back in with, with their forefathers whenever they were in Egyptian captivity. And remember, does anybody remember whenever Moses parts a body of water? What's the name of it? Whenever Moses parts the Red Sea, right? And they had walked through. So this is an entirely new generation, kind of like... Kind of like, maybe like even your age, like so to say, like your grandparents had experienced it, but you guys had never seen it before. So they get to the Jordan River and the Bible says that instructions were given for the Levites, who were the worshipers, to go in front of the people. And they were carrying something called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God. It's literally where the presence of God was in the entire earth realm, was in this box. And the moment that their feet touched the Jordan River, the Bible says the waters begin to part. And the Israelites walked across on dry ground. And here's where our story picks up in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. It says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now, 
Choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone. Everybody say one stone. And carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all. One for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Everybody say a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Verse 8 says this, So the men did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Finally, verse 9 says, Joshua also set up another pile of stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. This day meaning the moment whenever uh, the book of Joshua is actually written. I want you to bow your heads real quick. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning as we start this three-week series entitled Pause. God, I thank you so much. Such a spirit of thanksgiving will be imparted in our hearts, Lord. We want to be a thankful group of people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I simply want to title this short message this morning, Rewind. Everybody say, Rewind. Rewind. As we are approaching the Thanksgiving season, there's a Hebrew word that kind of comes to mind. If you ever read in the book of Psalms a lot, especially like the New King James translation, sometimes you'll see in there after David states all these wonderful things that God does, He places this Hebrew word, and several of you have the name this morning. Where is Miss Plotner at? If your last name is Plotner, raise your hand. Where is she? Is she here this morning? All right, shout your first name. Shout it. Selah. Selah. Hebrew there means to actively stop what you're doing and think about what you're saying or what you've just heard. It's to pause, intentionally stop. Just kind of meditate on what's being done and what's being said. As we go into the Thanksgiving season, I want us to pause, to say la, stop at various moments over the next three weeks and think about the goodness of the Lord in your life. So this morning specifically, I want us to pause and think about things that God has done for us in the past specifically. So it's kind of like, Pressing rewind on the VHS, you know, player on the VCR and, and after all the fuzzy screen goes away and go back to some moment. Maybe a great moment in your life where you feel like where, you know, man, God has done something cool in my life. Not just currently, not in the future, but I can look back over my life and I can say, man, Jesus, I thank you. For doing this. You fill in the blank. See the people of Israel. God had given them a commandment. 
And he says, what he given them various instructions. This is what you got to do to cross the Jordan River. But even while they were crossing, the waters had not yet gone back down. They were still up. The Lord says, now I never want you to forget what I've done for you this day. And they were obedient. They took stones and they built a memorial to the Lord. This morning, I want you to stop and think of the good things that God has done in your life. Literally. So everybody close your eyes right where you are. And I want you to think back to some moment. Some of you, you don't have to go very far. It can be yesterday where you feel like, man, God did this for me. Like out of the ordinary. I know that it was him. Or some of you can go back two or three years. Maybe it was a family emergency and God came through. Maybe God broke in with healing power with family or with you or with friends or comforted you in a season when you were sad because of whatever. I want you to go back. We're going to have a Selah moment right now. Something that you're thankful for. Okay. You can open up your eyes. See, a wise man once said, no duty is more urgent than that of returning thanks. No duty is more urgent than that of returning thanks. As I was just kind of thinking out and planning this series and even planning this message this morning, had I been able to locate it this morning, I would have brought you kind of something that I consider a little bit of a memorial. See, about, gosh, 10 years ago now, Actually, nine years and about 11 months and maybe, or nine years, 11 months. It was right up Thanksgiving, or right after Thanksgiving, before the Christmas break. So around December 1 or 2, I was in college. I just finished up my first semester of college. So I graduated high school in May 2002, finished up my first semester in Northwestern down in Louisiana. And um, for my first semester of college, my parents didn't let me drive my truck. I had a Chevy uh, Blazer at the time, and it was super cool, and I just wanted to drive it in college. I lived about two and a half hours away from where my hometown was, and I had come home about a week before our big Christmas break, and in college, it's like so sweet. I mean, you get like a month off from school in between semesters. It's It's the semester break. And so we are, um, I'm about to come home. So I just kind of convinced my parents, I'm a great talker, okay? And I talked my parents kind of into this idea that, hey, I mean, there is no need for you to drive me back to college, you know, and just to come back and get me in a week. I mean, you know, why don't you just let me take my truck? I'll drive it. I'll load it all up and I'll bring my things back. And they're like, okay, Brandon, okay, you've done well over the last, you know, uh, over the last semester. And I want you, you know, we want to just kind of reward you. And so they do. And so I drive um, back to college. I take my truck with me. And um, we, so I have about four or five days left. And it was the Thursday. We were finishing up our finals, right? And so I was, I mean, just super overachiever in high school and college. I mean, stayed up till 4 a.m. studying. I had this algebra um, exam, this final the next day, and I wanted to ace it. I had to make a certain score in order to keep an A in the class for the semester. And so stayed up till 4. All of our friends were over at uh, one of our other friends' apartment. 
right at 4 o'clock, we looked at the clock and we were just like, okay, this test is at 8 a.m. Let's get, you know, a good three and a half hours of sleep. So we go to sleep. Everybody goes to sleep. We wake up in the morning. Alarm clocks go off. We go. I take the exam. And I'm ready to get home because over the Christmas break, I'm trying to get a job just for the Christmas season. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be sweet. But I had an interview scheduled for that particular day. I lived about two and a half hours away. An interview was scheduled for early afternoon. So I pack up all the things in my dorm room, fill up in my truck. I am driving, like almost kind of racing to try to get home, two and a half hour drive. And so I leave my friend's house and I get in my truck. I'm about to drive, headed south towards Lake Charles. And then I realized, oh man, um, I should get somebody just to pray with me, like just for safety or travel. Never really did that. I felt like the Lord just kind of put it on my heart. So my accountability partner, who later became my roommate in college, he was at the house where we had all stayed the previous night. So I turned my truck around, drive back to the house. I'm like, hey, Justin. And um, he's actually a missionary today in Bulgaria, him and his wife. And so I'm like, hey, bro, just um, pray for me. I just, I don't know. I just feel like I need you to pray with me for safe travel. And again, I'll normally just kind of pray for myself. I mean, it's two and a half hour drive, no big deal. And uh, so he prays protection over me, prays, you know, whatever. So I'm driving home and I notice myself getting, I mean, just, I'm so tired. But I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep pressing, turn the music on. Back in driving school, which those of you who have your license or those of you taking driver's ed or are going to be, one of the things they tell you if you're ever dri- tired while you're driving is to roll down the window and the fresh air will kind of wake you up just a little bit. I mean, you know, it was in the days whenever five-hour energy wasn't really invented yet or Red Bull or any of the other energy supplements, Monster, whatever. And so, so I'm like, okay, I'll roll down the window. So I'm about... 15 minutes from my hometown, okay? It's in a city called Moss Bluff, which is just north of Lake Charles. And I'm like, okay, you know, no big deal, 15 minutes away. And uh, I start to doze, and then I'm on a two-lane highway in the woods, okay? And so I begin dozing off two-lane highway, and there's rumble strips, I think that's what they're called, on the right side of the road whenever you begin to go away. Now, keep in mind, a two-lane highway, there's a little bit of a ditch on both sides and then just trees, okay? And so I noticed myself going off. So I realized that I had fallen asleep. And, and so I, and I'm going off the road. So it's like, you know, like the, um, the sound, like, you know? And so it does that. And so I wake up, and I'm going off the road. And so I overcorrect, and keep in mind I'm in a Chevrolet Trailblazer that is filled with microwave, refrigerator, all my clothes. I mean, the plastic bins, the whole nine yards. And SUVs, they will tell you, are kind of top-heavy. It's pretty easy to kind of roll them over. And so I overcorrect, and I make a hard left. And then I realize, oh, God, there's a vehicle coming, uh, and rightfully so, because I'm in their lane. And so I turn again, and this time severely overcorrecting, and roll my trailblazer over two and a half times, completely off the road. And um, there's something called culverts, okay? It's like these concrete cylinder type things that are on the side of the road. And so I just missed this culvert and I'm off the road. And that's all I remembered at that point. The next thing I knew, I came to, I'm upside down because my trailblazer is upside down on the side of the road. It's facing the opposite direction in which I was driving. And it's all muddy. So I am, again, it's upside down. And I hear people kind of on the side of the road. And they're just kind of saying, is he all right? Is he, I don't know. I saw the whole thing happen. Oh, my God. 
And so I, uh, nobody had like attempted to pull me out or anything. And so I come to, and I'm like kind of edging. I have a gash here on my hand and I have a small scar that's still kind of left. I have a shirt's all bloody. And so I inch my way out of the vehicle. And then um, they all just kind of jumped back whenever they saw that there was movement inside of the truck. So then they kind of come and help pull me out. This lady comes, black lady who happened to be driving behind me. And she's like, baby, are you okay? I saw the whole thing happen. Lord Jesus, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I think. And at this point, I'm so like just kind of. I mean, it's almost surreal. I could barely remember like my mom's cell phone number, my friend's cell phone number, like whoever. And so uh, they call my mom and I'm like, hey, I fell asleep at the wheel. I'm, I'm okay. I'm just on the side of the road. And I'm just kind of in this, in this daze, you know? So all of a sudden, a uh, helicopter appears. And a helicopter comes and the, med, uh, the, uh, the emergency medical guy comes and he looks at me and he's like, Brandon. And I'm like, Hey, turns out he's a member of my church. I hadn't been, you know, in a while because I was in college. I was going to a different church. He's a member of my home church back in Lake Charles. And he's like, do you want me to call, you know, pastors? Do you want me to call, you know, Pastor Darren, Pastor Jerry? And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. And so at this point, I'm still kind of, I'm looking. So I'm sitting on the side of the road. I see my truck flipped over, faced another way. All of my stuff is in the middle of the street. The windows are completely smashed and blown in, you know, blown out. My socks, my, you know, shoes, everything's in the middle of the highway. And so I get into, uh, they put me on a stretcher, put me in a helicopter, heliport me to the closest uh, ambulance or the closest um, hospital. And the first person that's there happens to be my youth pastor. So he comes and he's like, hey, and then my mom shows up and my aunt, dad. And they were just like, you know, Brandon, what happened to you was nothing short of a miracle. I mean, the people literally around thought you were dead. Like, that's why they weren't good, because it was so tragic the way it happened. And then they even say uh, the truck was perfectly, I mean, it's like a picturesque kind of thing. And I have still the pictures today. My truck was sitting right behind, right in between two trees. So you have two trees like this. And my truck had somehow landed after the rolling, perfectly placed between them. I mean, I'm talking about maybe five to six feet in front and back of two big trees, which would really have been over had I hit a tree. And so my, my godmother, a nanny, just called and, and she came and checked on me. And she was like, you know, Brandon, I've just been speaking the word over your life, you know, even in the last days and you know, one scripture that I frequently speak and pray over you is that you will live and not die. And you're going to declare the works and the glory of the Lord. And you're going to complete your full purpose and assignment. And I just want you to know, even as that truck was just rolling around and the enemy had a plan just to take you out, I mean, to easily destroy you and to kill the purposes of God in your life. I want you to know that God's word was fighting for you. Just speaking over you, you will live and not die. Supernatural protection and provision over you. You guys, I still have the shirts that I was wearing. And this is kind of where we're going to land this morning as the worship team comes and we get ready to close here. DLA, you can move these, move the tables out. You're going to maybe be wondering why there's stones. And as we talk about rewind and we talk about being thankful. What God had commanded the Israelites to do after he had crossed them over the Jordan River was to literally take stones and to build a memorial so that any time they would look back to their past, They would not think of, man, how difficult it's been or how tragic my life has been or all the bad things that happened. But he says, I want you to build a memorial because even whenever you look back, I want you to be reminded 
of my faithfulness and my goodness to you throughout all the ages as a people group. And it's the same thing with us, you guys. I believe that there are moments whenever God moves in our lives that we need to say, hey, Lord, here's a memorial. Here's something that only God could have done in my life. And so my kind of memorial are the two T-shirts that I was wearing that day because you see, upon impact, I had my seatbelt on, thankfully. But upon impact, the, um, the impact was so hard that whenever something, you know, whenever something uh, rubs up against something very, very quickly, the, the level of friction can almost kind of start a fire, you know? And so my shirt, the seatbelt had rubbed so quick against my shoulder. I have a scar today that reminds me. It's kind of like a memorial of what Jesus did in my life. But it was literally as if someone had taken like a lighter, like a cigarette lighter and burnt the edge of my t-shirt because it's all brown like around there. It's almost like there was a fire there or something. And so I remember whenever I was at the hospital, whenever they cut the shirt open just to see if they would have to operate or anything, it's a memorial for me. And so in the same way, as we go into this Thanksgiving season, we're talking about pausing, having a sailor moment, being thankful. You know, the antidote for pride is thankfulness. Some of us, so many of us are so filled with pride and we're so dependent upon ourselves. And we don't tell our parents, thank you. We don't tell friends, thank you. We don't tell teachers, thank you. We don't thank coaches. We don't thank leaders. We don't thank anyone. This is a thankless generation, but it shall not be in this group. We want to be people who say, you know what, God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. You guys, this is a principle that will carry you throughout the years of your life. As you go through high school, as you go through college, everybody likes being around someone who's thankful because they get it. It's a grateful heart. I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful. And I built a memorial. As I look back over my life, my car accident and how God rescued me. I was out of the hospital like three hours after they heliported me to the hospital. I was home. I had just like a little bandage around my shoulder and like a little band-aid around my hand. I never should have walked away, but it was the goodness of God. It was a supernatural protection of Jesus Christ that day. And I'm able to stand before you today with no markings, no, no physical evidence. Gosh, Brandon, you were in a car accident. All those things happened. You should have died. I'm thankful to him. So here's what I want to do as we dismiss a little bit different of a Sunday morning. I want to give you an opportunity as you rewind. Remember, we're taking three weeks to pause. We're rewinding today and saying, thank you, Jesus, for something in my past. Next week, Pastor Dan Perkins is going to be talking about, hey, play. Let's learn to thank God in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our hardships. Maybe your family doesn't have as much money as somebody else or you're worried about Christmas. Maybe I'm not going to get all the Christmas. No, 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 no. In week two of pause, I want you to pause and say, hey, God, I'm thankful in the here and now, in the midst of my hardships. And then week three, we're going to fast forward and say, thank you, Jesus, for your soon and coming promises that you are going to fulfill in my life. So if every one of you will stand this morning, it was stones that God told the Israelites to use. Psalms 136.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 105.1, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Gratitude is the inward feeling of kindness received 
Thankfulness is the natural impulse to express that feeling. And thanksgiving is the following of that impulse. In Joshua 4, 6, and 7, you guys, God told them very clearly, I want you to grab stones, 12 stones, and I want you to put them in the middle of this river. And I want it to serve as a reminder that my God is faithful. This morning, we have small stones for you, and this is what we're going to do very quickly. We have three tables set up over here, three over here. We have multiple markers. This is what I want you to do this morning. Just kind of commemorate as you go into this Thanksgiving series. I want this Thanksgiving to be different from every other Thanksgiving in your life. I want your heart to literally overflow to where you can't say anything but God, thank you so much. Or you go to your parents and say, thank you so much for taking care of me, for providing for me. I just want to say thank you. And I'm really honest and sincere about it. Thank you for the blessings that you work hard to provide for me. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for the sacrifices that you're making. I want our hearts to overflow in thanks to Jesus and to those around us. It's the marking of a disciple of Jesus. So I want you guys to begin to move. Again, there's three three tables. You have a small stone. I want you to think of one thing. You can add to it later. And just kind of write down. It can be a word. It can be a phrase. But it's something in your past. Not thank you, Jesus, that you're going to give me a great car one day. No, no, no. It's thank you. And one word or phrase that signifies something in your past. Write it quickly as soon as you write it. I want you to just kind of move to the back so everybody else can get there. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.